So we're going to do something uh, a little Thanksgiving-oriented, even though it's not Thanksgiving yet. And so I'm going to ask uh, Mark and George to come and, and get set up up here. And while they're doing that, I'm going to encourage you to check in on social media. Uh, it's always good to let people know where you're spending your Sunday morning. So check in on social media. Once you've done that, share uh, the, the live video feed for our service this morning on Facebook. So do those two things. And then once you've done that, turn to Philippians 13. Philippians chapter 13. If you brought your hard copy, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the four gospels, then Acts, Romans, then first and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you brought a digital copy, uh, just look up in the table of contents, you'll find it. Philippians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to go to the word, Lord, in prayer. Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you will also open our hearts, open our minds, and God, help us to be ready to receive this morning the word of life. God, your word is life. And it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So God, encourage us this morning, challenge us this morning, convict us this morning. Have your will and your way in every heart and life that is here for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so Thanksgiving is only about a week and a half away. I hope you have all of your food items already picked up. Are you ready to go? And so... Even though uh, Thanksgiving always, almost always revolves around ham, ham, did you notice I said ham first? Amen. It almost always revolves around either ham or turkey, and we don't really have the opportunity to fix properly a ham or a turkey, so we're going to use something else this morning to kind of substitute for ham and turkey and the Thanksgiving meal, and so we got a little bit of steak. Praise the Lord for an animal that gave his life for that. Amen. Uh, we got some pepper, which is kind of pointless, but hey, some of you like that. Uh, and some onion. And uh, we got a little tortilla thing going over here. And so George is going to be working on this. We're going to make a, some point about a Thanksgiving meal uh, as we go through the service, but he's got to get that started or I'll never be able to, uh, to make the point. So he's going to do that while we're talking. All right. So, so you know what's going on, and we'll get to him uh, in a little while when he's done. So we're in Philippians, and this is the month of November, and as we've already mentioned, November is so much about Thanksgiving. It's so much about being thankful, and Philippians is probably more about Thanksgiving and being thankful and joy than any other book in the New Testament. In fact, Paul references joy or rejoicing 16 different times in just this little short book of Philippians. And as we heard in chapter one, the first week that we looked at this, the pathway to joy, the pathway to thanksgiving, uh, or the pathway to joy comes through thanksgiving. If we want to experience genuine joy, then the way that we get there is by practicing Thanksgiving. It's by practicing being thankful. So he's already spoken of that many and multiple times in just the first two verses or the first two chapters of Philippians. 
And so now we pick up in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it's safe. So Paul has already mentioned joy and rejoicing numerous times, and here he goes again. Hey, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, have you ever talked to somebody that has had a habit of repeating themselves? Any of you? How many of you live with somebody that has a habit of repeating themselves? (laughs) I'm not saying any names. And and so when when people start repeating themselves, you know, the first couple times you pay attention, then after a while, it's like, why are you repeating yourself? I've heard that already. And I have to think in my own heart and mind that Paul, as he's writing this, he knows that he's already talked about joy a bunch of times. And so the people that are listening in Philippi, they've got to be thinking, Paul, why are you bringing this up again? You've already said it. You didn't just say it once. You've said it a bunch of times. And now you're saying it again. Come on, man. Let it go. We got the idea. And Paul says, hey, listen. This is not tedious for me. In other words, I don't get tired of telling you to rejoice. I don't get tired of telling you to be thankful because it's actually for your good. For your good. Paul says, I'm going to keep saying over and over again, I'm not gonna get tired of saying it. Rejoice in the Lord. Develop a thankful heart because this is for your good. All right, so I think we get the idea of where he's at. I think Paul is making the point that always, Christians who are always rejoicing in the Lord, they will rarely go off course. You ever notice that? The... The happiest people tend to be walking with the Lord in the most clarity of mind, in the most peace, in the most comfort. People who seem to be miserable or frustrated, there seems to be some distance between them and the Lord. Have you ever noticed that? And Paul is saying, hey, listen, it's for your good because as long as you stay close to the Lord, you probably will not go off course. And then he... Then he kind of changes gears and he goes in this sort of weird direction. Look at verses two and three. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. And by the way, what that means is the mutilation, he's referring to the act of circumcision from the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, there was, this was a mark, it was a sign that, that a man belonged to God. He had to undergo circumcision. And so it was a mark that you were God's. And so he's saying that's an Old Testament practice and that doesn't matter anymore. So beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, verse three, for we are the circumcision. We who worship God in the spirit. And here he goes again. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. All right, so 
he's saying here, he makes this weird transition out of having joy to say, hey, watch out, watch out for the dogs, watch out for evil workers, watch out for the mutilators. And he's saying, hey, listen, there, there are people who are bad people. There are people who do bad things. And there are people who get you to start thinking bad or give you bad theology. All right, now here's the reality. Satan is always going to use people, situations to drive a wedge between us and God. He will use bad people. He will use bad things, bad situations. And he will use bad thinking or somebody suggesting or, or getting you to get off track in your theology to start to build distance between you and God. Now, I got to thinking about this. All right. If Satan looks to drive a wedge between us and God, you know, the front end of a wedge is always a lot thinner than the back end of the wedge, right? All right, now, why is that? Why in the world does the front end of a wedge, why is it so much smaller? Well, it's smaller because the purpose of the wedge is to get into a small crack, right? So you've got a fairly cohesive, a fairly complete piece of wood here, but there's a small crack. So you start to drive a wedge into it. And as you start to drive a wedge in, if you try to, if you try to start with the, with the fat end, that isn't going anywhere, is it? But if you start with this little skinny end, it will start to create a, a, a wider gap. Now, when Paul is talking about rejoicing all the time, see, the point of that rejoicing is knowing that Satan, remember he made that weird transition between rejoicing and then watch out for all these people. He knows that that's gonna happen. There's no way in this world that we're not gonna experience those things. And so he says, hey, rejoice and then watch out for them. Why? Because Satan is gonna use those things, those people, those situations, that thinking as a wedge to start to try to drive distance between you and God. Now, when that happens, you know, once you drive a wedge in there pretty good, it's not coming out on its own, right? You got to work it back out. Now, I'm not going to do that, but you got to work it back out. Guess what Paul is saying the way to work that wedge back out is in our lives? Somebody? Anybody? What's the word you've been hearing already? Rejoice! Be thankful! Start thanking God. And as you start thanking God, remember that old saying, count your many blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. You remember that song? When you start rejoicing and being thankful, that is a process that starts to work this wedge that Satan begins to build, back it back out and bring those, that distance back together. But when we don't rejoice, then that gives Satan a wider crack. And when we don't rejoice because now we don't like where things are headed and we don't like what that person said, we don't like the situation we're in, that just lets him make a wider crack. And over time, that crack begins to grow and it begins to grow until 
you wind up with two completely different pieces. Now, you know what? Once upon a time, this was, this was a whole. Now it's not. And that is Satan's strategy to separate us off from the power and the presence and the, the comfort of God. See, when we give thanksgiving, as Paul has been saying over, hey, God, guys, I don't get tired of saying this because this, this is your tool. This is your protection. You, you pray and you thank God and you give thanksgiving, you rejoice, and that binds this thing back up and you're brought back together as one. You remember in John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing if you're not connected to me. So stay connected to me. And Paul is saying that rejoicing, thanksgiving, gratitude, that is the tool that keeps that wedge out and binds us back to the Lord again. You know, in Isaiah, God said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed where? On thee. On God, thou will keep him in perfect peace. How many of you would desperately like a little bit more peace in your life? How many of you would desperately like a little more peace in your spirit? And it doesn't come from Black Friday. It doesn't. It comes from expressing thanksgiving and gratitude and staying close to God, staying connected to the vine, to work that wedge back out that Satan is so good at building. And Satan will always use somebody who is, who is a bad person, who is doing bad things or giving you bad teaching to get your focus off of God and onto you. You know why? Okay, so because once this is separated, I got no value from this thing anymore, right? The only value I have is in this piece now because now it's not connected over here. And here's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to get you separated from God so you start looking at your own self instead of God. He wants to separate you off. And so now once you do that, you start thinking, well, you know, here's, here's what I think. Here's what I can do. It's, it become, and George said earlier, if you ever get this thought process in that it's not about me, you'll be much better off. When we get separated from, from God, guess who it becomes about? Me. It's all about me. Why? Because I'm not even connected to this anymore. And when we start thinking about how we feel about something, what we think about something, not what God thinks, not what God says, but how we feel, how we think, how it's going to benefit us. When we start thinking about that, Paul said, well, you know what, that's, I know that's what Satan does. And he wants to get you thinking about that. And he said, but I put no confidence in the flesh. So let's look at verses four through six. He said, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anybody else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is the law, I was 
blameless. Paul says, hey, listen, if we wanna talk about the value I have on my own, if we wanna talk about what we have to offer on our own flesh, man, I am really well off. I have a whole bunch of stuff going for me. It's kind of like when you look at a military uniform, right? And you see, you see all these ribbons and these medals. That tell, if you know anything about the military, that tells you what that person has done. It tells you what they've achieved. And it's really cool. I mean, sometimes you'll see it when somebody's brand new in the military, you'll only see two or three of those things. You're like, okay, well, they're new because they don't have a lot. But as they spend time in the military, that, that list of medals, that row of ribbons, it grows longer and longer and longer and it becomes really impressive. And Paul is saying, if we wanna talk about our own merit, I have a lot of ribbons. I got a lot of medals. I got a lot going for me. And if anybody should be able to stand on their own stuff, I could say I can. Now, obviously, we're not Hebrews of Hebrews. You know, we're not Pharisees, at least technically. We might be in, in theory, but technically we're not Pharisees. So let's, let's kind of boil this down to Paul, what Paul said. Some of those things don't apply to us, but let's put up a list real quick of, of what we might say. Well, I was born to a good family. Got that going for me. I've lived a good life. I got that going for me. I have a really good reputation. I do good things and I donate to good causes. I really do. And I've been faithful in church. I come at least once a month. That's the new standard, I think, for most people being faithful in church is once a month. That's, that's faithful. Or I know stuff in the Bible. I've actually, I've actually heard some of the stories in the Bible. And you know what? I even liked it. If, if we translated what Paul said into some modern, modern qualifications, a lot of us might say that. I was born to a good family. I've lived a good life. I do good things. I give to good causes. I've been faithful. I know stuff in the Bible. And Paul says, if anybody ought to be proud of that, it should be me. And church, let me just be real honest. If that's you, you should be proud of that too. That's, that's a wonderful thing. It's a good thing to be proud of. George, that's, I'm starting to smell that. Are you almost done with that? All right, so let me, let me hit the pause button on this and let me go over here to, uh, to make some, uh, some point about why George is up here. All right, so George is, has... That smells good. Can you guys smell that? Is that killing you down there or what? All right. So, all right, so as we said, you're about a week and a half away. From, <laughs> you're about a week and a half away from doing this, basically this same thing in your home for Thanksgiving. It won't be this, but let's, let's let this sort of substitute for that Thanksgiving meal. All right, so um, George, go ahead and, and uh, put some of that on the plate. So let's say that you have spent a lot of time, you've been working on this thing, you've, you've spent a lot of preparation time, you've gone to a lot of effort, and once you're done, a couple of things, and uh, I saw George try it, so I'm going to try it. Hmm. I, you should do this during the service more often. 
I'm not having a new thing going here. All right. So when you're done getting this thing ready, you're obviously uh, going to have some, some leftovers. You're going to have some scraps. And, I, you know, you want to put on a good presentation for Easter, don't you? All right. So you don't want this stuff. I'm Easter. Uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Who said that? You, just don't mind him. You don't want this stuff to be out when it's time to eat, right? Because, I mean, this, really, this stuff really doesn't have any value. This is the stuff that's just sort of left over, and uh, you're not going to serve that anyway. You don't want anybody to see it because you don't want to interfere with what you have prepared and what you want to share with them. All right, so now a lot of us in here, I have no doubt we're paper plate eaters uh, a lot of time because that's really convenient, but on... On Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know, some of these other special occasions with all the food that you got, paper plates usually can't hold all of that. And plus you want to make a nice impression. So we use better plates. We use those plates we use like two or three times a year. So we actually get those out and, and you invite everybody over and you put this stuff on a plate and you present it in the most appealing way possible because you've put a lot of effort in this and you you want them to appreciate the effort you want them to appreciate the value but you also want them to enjoy it and so you you present this in the best possible way and this is by the way pretty tasty but Paul said here's what he thinks of what George just made How many of you just feel a little wrong about that? All right, so let's go to the scripture, shall we? Chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, what? what's the next word? Rubbish. Okay, Paul says, all that good stuff that I can point to, all those things that if, if we're just counting what, what I've accomplished, all those things that I have to offer, Man, my stuff looks really, really good on the plate. Now, all of us, we don't mind throwing the scraps in here, right? We don't, we don't mind throwing the, the junk in here. Yeah, there's no value in it. We don't need that. Plus, we don't want anybody to see it because it takes away from the presentation of our good meal, right? So, yeah, we'll trash that. We'll scrap that. Paul says, hey, even my good stuff, the stuff that I have every reason to be proud of, it's garbage. It is just garbage compared to what Christ offers in his righteousness. And see, we, something in us just goes, whoa, that, what are you doing? That's just wrong. You know why, church? Because when it comes to what Paul said about our own stuff, we like to feel good about our stuff. 
We like to feel good about our righteousness. Yeah, we can say, yeah, we need to stay connected to God. We really should. That'd be best. But, you know, hey, listen, I'm doing pretty good on my own. I got a lot of good stuff to talk about on my own. I'm, I'm better than a lot of people. So we dress that up and we put it on a plate. We, we throw the stuff away that we don't want anybody else to see. But man, we want to make sure that you see this. And Paul says, compared to knowing God in all of his holiness, in all of his righteousness, it's garbage. It's garbage. See, Paul is basically making this point. The bottom line is this. The only real thing that we have to be thankful for is what Jesus has done for us. That's it, church. That's the real thing that we have to be thankful for is what Jesus has done for us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And Paul said, I could count a whole bunch of good stuff. I can look really good to everybody else, but compared to the righteousness of Jesus, it's garbage. And I'm going to treat it like garbage. And church, we need to get off our high horse, all of us, and make sure that we humble our heart, humble our knee, bow our head, and invite Christ not only to be our Savior, to save us from our sin, but to be our Lord every day. Day. That's what Paul's going for. In verses 10 and 11, he says, I do this that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul was passionate about obtaining the righteousness of Christ. Now, I have this really interesting fascination with Antarctica. And I would, if I only had one place I could go, I would be tempted to, to choose to just step foot on Antarctica. I don't know why, just a weird thing, but I'm, I'm fascinated by it. So I wanna share a story about something that happened there in 1908. Sir Ernest Shackleton and three of his friends, they decided to try to get to the South Pole from their, their uh, uh, summer camp uh, there uh, on Antarctica. They set off with four ponies to help carry the load. Weeks later, their ponies were all dead. Their rations were almost completely gone. And so they turned back toward their base without reaching their goal. Although they traveled 127 days. Man, four months and they didn't make it. Their horses are dead. Almost all of their rations are gone on their return journey. The time was spent talking about food, about huge feast and gourmet delights. Kind of sounds like we might talk about Thanksgiving. They're, as they're walking and trying, 
trying to get back to their camp, the only thing that they can think about, the only thing that they can talk about is food. They didn't even know whether they'd survive or not, but the only thing that was on their mind was food. Probably none of us have ever been quite in that situation. I hope I never am where I have to go almost 127 days with almost nothing. But I think somebody who might have understood a little bit about what they were dealing with was Jesus. You remember he went 40 days in, in the wilderness? And he said, after that experience, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You think that Jesus had a deeper understanding of hungering and thirsting than most of us when he spent 40 days in the wilderness? So Jesus says, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, then you will be blessed. I don't know what it's like to be that. I imagine if I went 127 days, if I went 40 days, heck, sometimes if I go four hours, right, without food, I start thinking about food. And you start hungering and thirsting for something that you begin to uh, go ponder in your mind. And Jesus said, and Paul is saying, that is how we ought to be thinking about pursuing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we, we pursue this stuff. We got no problem pursuing this stuff. Paul said, Jesus said, when you hunger and thirst after the righteousness of Christ, you will be blessed. So let's look in verses 12 through 16. Paul says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it, even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Paul is saying, hey, listen, God has already provided. We spend so much time trying to, to promote ourselves. We spend so much time thinking about what, what I think about this, what I can do, what I wanna have out of this. And, and Paul is saying, hey, listen, Jesus has already provided it. It's already provided. We don't, we don't need to try to operate this way on our own. We need to come back together. We need, we need to trash this part of us and come back to be connected to the vine because God has already done it for us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so he goes, but hey, listen, I haven't gotten there completely. That's my goal, but I'm still working on it and I will not quit until... I get to where God is calling me. And he says, you have to forget what is behind and press forward. In church, let me tell you something. You will never be able to forget the past without reaching toward what's 
ahead. See, so many of us, we get stuck in, in the things that we've done, the things that were done to us, the messes we made, the frustration, the disappointment, and it starts to flavor all sorts of things about how we conduct our Christian walk, how we live out our Christian life. And Paul says, listen, you will never be able to do this until you forget the past, till you trash the past as you pursue the future. As long as you keep wallowing in whatever happened in the past, whether it was something you did or done to you, disappointment you had, whatever, as long as you keep going back there, guess what? You're never gonna get past it. You're never gonna get past it. Paul said the way you move past it is looking at what's ahead. And what God has for us ahead is always better than what was behind. So, well, how do I know that? Well, down in verse 20, he says our citizenship is in heaven. How many of you think that heaven just might be better than this? Just might be, just a little bit. It might be just a little bit better than this. Just a tad. And so even if we go through trial and tribulation in the days ahead in our physical life, Paul absolutely guarantees that what is ahead will always be better because our citizenship is in heaven. Hebrews 11, 11 tells us there, there were people that, that uh, in the Old Testament that went through all sorts of things and they never saw the, the fruition of their faith in this life, but they did when they crossed over to the next life. One way or the other, whatever God has for you ahead is always better than what is behind. And church, you will never ever move past what is behind you until you start focusing on what's ahead of you. And if you don't think that you have that much to be thankful for what's behind you, you start thanking God for what's ahead of you. Amen. Amen. Man, just start imagining it. Just start thinking about it. And he says, hey, listen, let all who are spiritually mature agree. In verse 15, let's, let's all agree on this. That what God has done and what he's doing, what he's calling us toward is so much better than what we can claim on our own. We've got to trash our own stuff, church, and start clinging to the things of God. Start developing a joyful heart by exercising thanksgiving and gratitude. And verse 16, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come to the platform. Verse 16, he says, nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, then let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. He goes, listen, I haven't attained it all. You haven't attained it all. But you have accomplished something. In a previous chapter, he said, he that began a good work will be faithful to complete it. You have just When you give your life to Jesus, that's accomplishing something. You're already starting to move in the forward direction. So, so whatever you've attained, 
be thankful for that. And then let's keep working forward. And here's the thing, based on those, those verses, church, it does take work. The Christian life is not a lazy man's life. It takes work. Check these things out. Just a couple of observations from those verses. Paul followed hard after perfection. Not his own perfection, the perfection of Christ. He worked at forgetting the past. You don't just forget the past without working to forget it. By looking toward what's ahead, Paul pressed toward the goal, which was the answer for for working at forgetting the past. He kept his mind on growing and maturing. See, we get saved and we just want to sit and soak. Just sort of let stuff happen to us, but it takes work. Paul worked, he kept his mind on growing and maturing as a believer, as a follower of Christ, and he maintained the growth that he had achieved. It's like, man, I don't don't wanna go backwards. I don't wanna slip. I wanna keep pressing forward. I wanna stay connected. I don't ever wanna start, start raising my own standard. This is garbage, it's trash. I always wanna keep thanking God for what he's done, what he's gonna do, where I stay connected and I don't let Satan drive any wedge, create any distance between us. And for all of that, I'm thankful. And he urges the church in Philippi to be thankful. He urges the church in Orchardville be thankful church we have so much to thank the Lord for this morning we have so much to be grateful for but it starts with recognizing that our best belongs in the trash with our worst and I think Satan uses pride for a lot of people in the church that we we get so focused on our best that we forget the only thing that's really good about us is Jesus in us for I know that in me there is no good thing it's all Jesus It's all Jesus. Church, every one of us here this morning, we need to make a choice today to work that wedge out and come back into full union with Jesus Christ. Some of you are not in union with Christ because you've never been saved. Coming to church doesn't do it. You could could list a bunch of things that Paul said and well, I'm, I come to church. And I, that's, that's not salvation. Salvation is, is accepting what Christ did on the cross for you, asking him into your life and deciding to follow him, to become a new person, a new creation in Christ. Others of you here this morning, you need to come back into union because you, you've allowed wedges, some of your own doing, some of other people's doing, but you've allowed wedges to create distance to create separation between you and God. This morning, 
You need to come express thanksgiving and gratitude to God for all that he's done. Ask him to start pulling that wedge back out so that you can be reconnected in a vital way with Jesus. Father, as we commit this message and the scriptures to you this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit will have his will and his way in every life. Lord, that you will help us to be humble enough to act in accordance with your wishes, in accordance with your desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody stand. If you need to start a journey with Jesus for the first time, come see me. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's start that today. For the rest of you, these altars are open. Come do what you need to do, church. It's Thanksgiving time. We got lots to be thankful for. Let's put it in practice.